0: Our epistle lesson this morning, these are the scriptures assigned for this festival of martyrdom of John Huss. The epistle text is from 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 18 through 24. The Apostle Paul writes, For the message about the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved it is the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise, and the discernment of the discerning I will thwart. Where is the one who is wise? Where is the scholar? Where is the debater of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? For since in the wisdom of God the world did not know God through wisdom, God decided through the foolishness of the proclamation to save those who believe. For Jews ask for signs and Greeks desire wisdom, but we proclaim Christ crucified, a stumbling block to Jews and foolishness to Gentiles, but to those who are the called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God. In a few minutes, we're going to do something foolish Paul says that the proclamation of Christ is foolishness according to the wisdom of the world. In the culture of Paul's audience, nothing could be more shameful than to die a criminal's death on a cross. Yet the Christians proclaimed that the living word of God saved this world through just this kind of shame. Foolishness. Unfortunately, as the church formed over centuries, it failed to stay foolish, at least in the way Paul meant. Men whom the world deemed wise have a way of dominating structures of power, and by the medieval era, the church had become the ultimate power in Europe, with the clergy at the top. The lay people, they were the little people, the humble, the foolish. In their weakness, they could not be trusted to bear the weight of spiritual matters, including the responsibility of drinking from the cup of communion. Although in the early church the laity received both bread and wine, by the 12th century it had become common for the people to receive only the bread and the priest to take the cup on the people's behalf. We don't know exactly why, Some say the commoners were just thought to be too coarse, too clumsy. They would mishandle the cup. They would disrespect it. They'd probably even spill it. And maybe that was the fear. It is the kind of excuse you might offer anyway if you're the person in power and you craved a visible symbol of your power. It is surely no coincidence that the cup was taken from the laity at about the time priestly power was cresting. The cup. The cup is the most potent symbol of reform and even revolution within the church. Giving the cup to lay people spoke more loudly for the priesthood of all believers than anything Luther nailed to a church door a hundred years later. The revolution that restored the cup to the people was led by the 15th century radicals known as Hussites. These radicals were picking up the mantle of church reform from the Czech priest John Huss, whose martyrdom we honor today. Huss was an intellectual, a university rector, a wildly popular preacher, and a continuous irritation to officials of the medieval church. His preaching spread ideas about what Huss called errors in the church, most of which involved priests accruing power to themselves. Huss was wise enough to recognize the errors and also foolish enough to talk about them. And that is how he wound up imprisoned on charges of heresy by the Council of Constance. But even John Huss wasn't so foolish as to give the church's great symbol of power to the powerless. Not at first. Huss was in prison when one of his followers, a priest named Jakob, first began offering the cup to the people. Writing from his prison cell, Huss urged, caution. It was actually the Council of Constance that forced the issue. They were convinced that doing away with Huss would quell the rising rebellion in Europe, but to execute him they needed clear evidence of his crime of heresy. Yet in day after day of testimony, even as they interrupted him, mocked him, and shouted him down, the Council failed to demonstrate that Huss had committed heresy in anything he had actually said. But if the Council could draw clear lines, they could use the lines to box Huss in. And so that's probably why on June 15, 1415, the Council decreed that serving the cup to the laity was unequivocally prohibited. And that's when Huss stepped out of the box and into rebellion, calling the council's decision madness. Perhaps this, after all, was what the council needed to condemn him to death. All the accusations, all the anger, all Huss's foolish insistence on the truth, the cup could hold it all. After Huss's execution in 1415, For a lay person to drink from the cup became a death penalty offense in Bohemia. And thousands did it anyway, and they died for it. It is hard to believe that the church was willing to shed blood over spilled wine. But it's not hard to believe that standing against the power of the medieval church was a foolish thing to do. And the Apostle Paul would surely have agreed. And he would surely have encouraged Huss's followers in their foolishness right down to the foolish and holy sacrifice of their lives. The cup seems like a small matter these days. We don't feel threatened when we drink from it. Physically, it is a small cup. Funny how even though it's so small and so easy to hold, we seem to be in such a hurry to set it down. Right after the words, Do this in remembrance of me, just after the silent prayer begins, there's a rustle as we quickly set our little cups into the little wooden holders on the backs of the pews. But if thousands of people died for the privilege of taking up this cup, should we be so quick to set it down? Think about all this cup holds. The foolish insistence on truth. The life and death of Jesus Christ. Forgiveness and grace and peace. Over and over we foolishly insist on taking this cup in hand. We foolishly insist on this ritual of communion. Imagine that some malevolent force tried to take our communion out of our hands? Would we clutch to our hearts the cup and all that it holds? Would we die for communion? Would the world call us foolish if we did? What else would you do for God that the world would call foolish? Think about that today as you hold this cup in your hand. And after you drink, why not hold the cup through the silent prayer? Feel its weight. Trace its rim with your thumb. Think about the people who died for the cup. Think about Christians who die for it still. In countries around the world where to be a Christian is a truly dangerous and foolish thing. Perhaps you'll want to pray for them during the silent prayer. And perhaps during that prayer, we will think about what the cup holds for us and be grateful.